You've got a friend in me When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your old past said Boy, you got a friend in me Yeah, you've got a friend in me Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today we're starting another bit of a reboot series in anticipation of Lightyear coming out in about a month. I am joined by Pixar and animation correspondent Joe Morgan to talk about the Toy Story movies. Joe, I know you just got out of your plastic corrosion awareness meeting, so how are you doing? You know, Josh, I I, um, I am psyched to talk about um, probably my favorite movie ever. So um this is a big day for me. Yeah, I mean, on any given day, a certain different Pixar movie could uh, probably uh, take that title. But I mean, it's a, honestly like one of the earlier things I did in COVID, as you know, like I when I was like just trying to figure out different movies to talk about because we didn't have any new ones. One of the things I did was that uh, I had uh, our friend, my friends, uh, Adam and Kayla. They joined me to talk about Short Term 12, which is one of my five favorite movies of all time. You seen Short Term 12, Joe? Yes, I have. Okay, great movie. And but like it was honestly very intimidating. It was just like it was one they'd never seen. Kayla works with kids. I thought it'd be cool to talk about with them. And uh, I honestly don't think it was one of my better performances. Like I was just so nervous when a movie (laughs) means like that much to you. It's like, man, how do I even like start to articulate it? So rather than asking you if you think it's good, because I know you think it's a good movie. It's not like one of our traditional podcasts in that way. What I want to ask you is like, first of all, I wouldn't have blamed you if you hadn't. I would have been like, oh, no, Joe didn't prepare for this. You told me you did just do a rewatch of the movie Uh, because I'm sure like when you had made the comment about like uh you kind of pitched me this on me because you enjoyed when i was joined by uh my batman correspondent nick to talk about the 90s and or batman 89 and the 90s batman movies in anticipation of the batman and you thought oh hey maybe that we could do that for toy story and i'm like that's a good idea but like nick like you has like he is like a scholar of those movies one of one of them he didn't even have to do a rewatch i don't remember which one it was i think i caught him off guard because he'd forgotten he committed to it he's like whatever i'm ready to do it now so I would not have blamed you if you're like, I don't even need to watch Toy Story again, because I'm sure you've seen Toy Story more times than you can count. Now, I guess what, first I want to ask you, at this point, do you still get something new out of watching those movies? Do you still pick up new things on rewatch? It's only a, like it's like a 90. It's not even 90 minutes in runtime. And so there's not as much content, I would say, just as like, you know, a two hour and 15 minute movie or something. And you've seen it like countless times, like I said. So wondering, do you still get something new when you watch Toy Story? No joke. Um, I actually did this time. Um... I watch, I rewatch Toy Story annually. I think I always mm-hmm. find myself watching it, whether it's like a rainy day or, mm-hmm. you know, just something to throw on in the background. I, I've revisited this movie a number of times. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm just, you know, I'm really into this movie and mm. this series as a whole. But the thing I noticed this time is um, in Sid's room, among the collection of toys, there's a jack in the box with a hand that pops out of it. And I've always sort of thought like, oh, creepy toy. Ha <laughs> funny. But um, actually, Ed Catmull, who's one of the founders of Pixar, made the first computer animated film, and it was of a left hand just sort of moving. And they had like like rendered a left hand in uh, 3D animation and CG animation. Hmm. And um, I noticed the hand coming out of the Jack in the Box this time, and it's a left hand. And I was like, that's got to be a reference to um, the Ed Catmull film. And I am sort of semi-embarrassed. I haven't noticed it till now. Oh, how, how, how dare you? Well, it's interesting yeah. you mentioned that he made the first computer. I, I'm assuming you meant short film because one thing I, I, I realized or I learned today, I read Robert Roger Ebert's review of Toy Story. I didn't know, and maybe I did know this at one point and I forgot. I didn't realize it was like the first ever fully computer animated 
feature length film. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, first ever feature length CG animated film. And what does that mean to you as far as like, uh, as far as someone that I'm sure has, has seen a lot of pre-1995 animated movies, like were, in what ways do you think that was like significant other than like kind of what became like a, a signature kind of Pixar look? What In what other ways did that kind of like open up the open open up the medium as far as you're concerned? Yeah, so um, to talk about myself for a second, mm-hmm. um, I recently started an adjunct professor position at Wright State University mm-hmm. and I'm teaching a course called uh, Animation Studies, which sort of just covers the history of animation. And basically leading up to Toy Story, uh, just sort of one of the problems with computer animation is computers weren't really powerful enough to render um, an entire feature length film. So uh, at the, before Toy Story, computer animation was really just sort of for um, either short films like the Lexo Jr. with the lamp playing with the ball or um, Disney animation actually bought the Pixar image computer. So Pixar used to make this computer and they would use it for specific things. So like at the end of the little mermaid, the rainbow that pops up, that's computer animated Um, in beauty and the beast where they do the big sweeping camera move in the ballroom while the beast and bell are dancing. That's like computer animation as well. It just, there are certain things that the computer lets you do that you can't really do in traditional hand-drawn at the time anyway. So and, it's, uh, it's funny, Joe. I, 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 you hadn't told me about your uh, uh, adjunct professorship, and oh. I, 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 I just, I was just curious. I went onto your LinkedIn profile, and I saw it was on there. And I, it's funny. I did not. I, I, I knew nothing. I didn't even know where Wright State University was. But it's funny. <laughs> I, I, I noticed in your description of it on LinkedIn, it says it's within the Tom Hanks Center for Motion Pictures there. And yeah. uh, you are a big Tom Hanks fan. I think we might transition you into an additional role of Tom Hanks correspondent because you requested the Elvis movie that's coming up. So yes. I think it's kind of funny. Like I mean. I, 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 you don't need to give me the full story of how they came about, but it is funny. You ended up, I'm sure you could have, you would have taken an opportunity like that, no matter where it came about. It just happened to be at the place that is the Tom Hanks school, which I think is funny. It was very serendipitous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just interesting. Uh, the, the, the computer nature of it. I, I didn't know that. And I, one thing I was, I, cause I, it was one of the things I noted in my, the very few notes I actually took on the movie was how technically Steve jobs is a producer because, yeah. uh, because, because like, you know, Apple at that point in time, Apple and Pixar, correct. And I, I, I just think it's I, I th- it's kind of funny that like I, I that like it had that but it's not like as far as I mean it's not like it was like specialized they weren't like using Apple computers in a specific way because they were Apple it, it was just I guess the kind of processors more than anything so it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about that a little bit you know oh yeah absolutely um yeah because Pixar was originally owned by Lucasfilm mm-hmm. and um Lucasfilm sold Pixar to Steve Jobs during his Apple exile and then mm-hmm. um yeah, we're really getting in the weeds here. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, um, and Pixar and uh, Toy Story actually helped Steve Jobs make his triumphant return to Apple. So, mm. um, so well, yeah, it, 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 it just has a, it has a very funny origin story. I, I feel like at some point we're going to be like, there's going to be a TV show about like the uh, origins of Pixar or whatever, or someone's going to still try and do like another like Apple early Apple show, even though like they they already have the multiple Steve Jobs movies, you know, it's just going to happen with the way all yeah. these TV real life TV shows are going on right now. Uh, but, but I want to ask you about Toy Story. I mean, you talked about, I, I asked you, I started off by asking you, you know, just like, uh, and I didn't even do like a freaking um, uh, plot description because everyone knows Toy Story. Uh, that's not to say it doesn't warrant a conversation, but I didn't need to give a basic plot description. Everyone knows that, but I'm, I am wondering though, as you get older and you've watched it and you've become more experienced in the field of animation writing, uh, just overall, like, 
aside from just like maybe visual details that you pick up on, is there something about it as you kind of became more experienced in your field that you like particularly appreciate about like the storytelling in it? Cause I'll tell you like the one thing that like, I think impressed me the most. Cause like, you know, I think obviously, uh, I mean, it's, it's not even just the fact that like, you know, the, the song most people associate it with, like, you got a friend in me. They're like, there's obviously something, uh, it's obviously to some extent a movie about friendship, but like, I don't even know if you, I would necessarily call this version of Toy Story that uh, on my rewatch, it wasn't even something that like jumped out to me like, oh, this is really a deep movie about friendship. Like, yeah, like uh, Woody and Buzz maybe end the place in a better spot than they began it. But like, I would say like the next three movies are probably like, even more about friendship in that like Woody, you can clearly see that that are that at that point that exists with Woody and Buzz, whereas here they're, uh, you know, at odds for a lot of the movie. So it's and I don't even know if that much the movie is about them learning to become friends. I'd, I'd, I'd honestly forgotten. I think I did rewatch Toy Story before we did the Toy Story 4 pod back in 2019. But I've mm-hmm. forgotten that like Woody straight up tries to murder Buzz. Like, I think I just I, 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 I haven't seen it as much as you. I straight up forgot about that. So it's like so much of this runtime is about him being like, oh, shit, I'm about to be outed for being a murderer. Not like him building a friendship like I I, I just the, the plot didn't stick with me so I mean it's like I, I kind of came out of this viewing being like all right it's not necessarily like uh emphasizing a lot of themes of friendship in the same way that I think the later films do an obviously really good job of I just think it's an incredible feat in world building and first and foremost so I'm wondering what do you like kind of find yourself respecting the most when you now go back and watch this from a, a, a writing perspective well I have to correct the record real quick what he doesn't try to murder buzz what he tries to knock buzz behind the desk but I do think this is one of the weak points of the film. Cause I think if you're like, I think it's not quite clear exactly what, what he wants to do. Cause you get that one shot of him looking where the eight balls fallen behind the desk and he goes, Oh, I can knock buzz back there. But I feel like, you know, that's like one of the most missed things in it. Cause yeah, like, you know, for a long time, especially as a kid, I was like, Oh, he was trying to knock buzz out the window. <laughs> and only after watching it for like the, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get, yeah, no, I, 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 that's, I guess I did kind of, sl- <laughs> I, I, I kind of slandered him there a little bit. Uh, I, I but, 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 but yeah, cause it, it is like a little murky, I guess. Cause it's like, what would that accomplish? Like they could still hear buzz if buzz yelled for help or something. If he's mm-hmm. actually trying to put him there. I don't know. But the fact is like he, 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 he at very least does an assault. We could say that. <laughs> yes. Um, he, he commits battery, right? Yeah. 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 Assault battery. Battery. Yeah. Battery. battery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, okay. More Sorry. accurate. Yeah. And I'm um, the lawyer here. And you got, yeah, I think you got the, I think you got the charge more accurate than me. But yeah. But regardless, it's like, I've, I've forgotten how much the runtime was like him trying to make up for his crime, basically. Yeah. As opposed to like them actually like building a strong relationship necessarily. They work together eventually, but that's about it. So I, I, my point being, like, I come across from this movie just being like, wow, it's movies like what, 84 minutes. And they do an incredible job of like, setting up not only just setting up the world but also like really creating so many colorful characters with like Mm -hmm. not all that much screen time you know yeah the world building in this movie is amazing like within the first five ten minutes you know everything Mm -hmm. and there's so much to explain it's like you know i mean you know it's pretty high concept it's like you know what if your toys are alive and they have their own inner lives when you're away right Mm -hmm. and like they set up basically that um, toys love to be played with and they have all these fears and insecurities about being thrown away or being left behind or being lost. And, and then they do it in this incredibly thrilling sequence. Like I just, you know, I've seen it like, you know, dozens of times, but like the way the green army men, like go on their little mission to put the baby monitor in the plants, they can spy on the birthday party, relay the presents and all that. Like it's, it's great filmmaking. Um, and the one thing, 
the about Toy Story that I really appreciate that, especially as you get later into the Pixar canon, they don't do as much is I know specifically this movie, um, they said they took a lot from Midnight Run and sort of that uh, buddy comedy aspect. Sure. And this movie tonally is quite different from like even the third and fourth movies in the franchise. I think Toy Story 2 is a bit closer to this one. But just like some of the humor in it, some of the jokes they make, like it, it's like a little adult, but you know, it's, it, you know, at the same time, it's just, it's its own unique thing. It's very much like of the nineties, um, that kind of filmmaking, which is always kind of fun to revisit and look at, especially as an adult. Cause I do think they, it, it very much fits into that vein of animated movie where it's like, all right, this is like, we're making this for, for, for children, but like here are a bunch of nods to the adults, right? Whereas I feel like modern Pixar is a bit more like not necessarily hiding jokes and things like that. It's more just for everybody, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, man, I, 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 I can't comment as well. I realized just now I forgot. I went back and looked at my letterbox. I had not I did not watch Toy Story 2. I thought I'd redone a rewatch of all of them in advance of when we did the Toy Story 4 podcast. And for some reason, I didn't watch Toy Story 2. It's definitely the one I've seen the least. Because uh, I do think I I feel like I've, I've watched Toy Story 3 at least once since I've lived here. So harder for me to kind of comment on the tone as it kind of like went throughout. But like, I mean, I think all of them have like, I mean, all of them are really impressive in that the, in how they balance tone for a kid's movie, you know, uh, just like they all have like legitimately laugh out loud moments and they all have like genuinely touching moments. I think they're they're just an impressive feat in that like they're able to like hit that range of emotion while still like very clearly being something that like kids can appreciate whereas like I, I hate to keep shitting on it but i didn't like again i didn't think i didn't think soul was really moved for kids and i honestly think toy story finds a way to like just all the toy story movies find a way to like really 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 be emotionally mature but not like something that like only adults can get something out of i think one thing i also picked up on uh watching it this time though was like some of those funny lines and maybe it's just like i don't know like something sometimes some sometimes things can like just like hit you differently than they did before but like i do think buzz is like I really actually was really intrigued by Buzz watching this, which is funny for me to pick up on that because we're going to watch Lightyear. Like I, 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 like I said, I while I had, didn't have some memory of certain things, like I did remember. I obviously remember that like he didn't think he was a toy at first. Like that's obviously a big theme throughout the movie. But like it's funny to like. I think the writing with him is like honestly the most interesting out of any of the characters throughout because like he has to go through so many different like. Uh, um, as he like becomes a little more self-aware, he has to like he has like different stages up up until the point where he becomes like uh, catatonic or whatever. Because like I think he like he kind of accepts the toy thing, but doesn't fully hit him until there's the um the sequence with the the commercial. But hmm. I'm pretty sure it's before that. And I think you rewatched it in the last couple of days. It's been a, it's been a, a week since I did a week or a week and a day since I did. But like I think the comment where he actually tell makes a funny and he's like I don't what, what, what's the line I don't believe that man has ever been to medical school. I think yeah. that I think that line comes earlier in the movie and it's just like a really impressive like bit honestly more I, I guess I, I think I think Tim Allen gets or almost as much credit for that as any of the writers because it, it just it, I think a lot of that is in the delivery but like it, it does show that character is at a different point even before he straight up loses it and it's just I think it's like a really impressive example of like having to pull that character off to get him from where he is like at the beginning of this movie to where he is like basically in the series going forward it's like truly impressive that they found like a way to like put him through that emotional ringer but also like find legitimately like actually kind of like sharp funny comments from him when he's portrayed as such a luddite at first you know mm -hmm. yeah i mean it really makes it work in just such a beautiful way like i mean it i i'm going like watching this movie again you know it's remarkable to me how like nothing is wasted like there's there's no like 
wasted or dead period of the movie. And I really think Buzz's delusion and Buzz's like coming to grips with what he really is really sells that. Cause like there's a scene where he just stands there and watches a TV and then like aimlessly wanders into a hallway. And that's like significant screen time in a short movie that, you know, was made for kids and you're just compelled by it the whole time because he's just going through this absolute existential crisis. That's well, the point. Well, I, I think I think it's interesting you zeroed in on that part of it. I I mean, we can we can get back to the earlier part of it, but like, man, I think we kind of said what we kind of felt the need to uh, said the most important thing, and that they just do an incredible job of like building that world in the first twenty minutes of the movie. And I also particularly enjoy the baby monitor scene too, and like all that stuff. All that stuff is really good, but like I I remember that stuff as being really good. I remember kind of as I grew up, and I mean, I had some awareness. Of, I mean, I, I mean, I and I rewatched it from time to time and stuff growing up, but like up until whenever I watched it in advance of Toy Story 4, I don't think I'd watched it for some time. So up until then, I'd always like, I'd always remember this stuff in Sid's house, just like not being like a, just not being fun. I mean, there's some like legitimately scary moments in there. You know, I talk about this movie, like being for, uh, not losing sight of the fact that it's for kids, but like, I feel like some of that stuff would be like legitimately scary to little kids at the same time. And I just remember like not really digging that part of the movie. Uh, but like, I mean, I, I, I watching it now, I kind of came away from it kind of impressed that they would even go there because like, I think they probably knew they had something special on their hands after they like conceived the first 30 minutes of that movie. So then to spend such a large chunk of the movie in such a dark place is honestly like a, a risky proposition. I'm wondering like how your relationship with that portion of the movie has kind of like evolved over time. Because like, I, again, like I said, I used to like just kind of be eh on it, but now it's like, I, I find it kind of audacious. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the part now where you're just, I guess, like at least for me watching it i am like um i really feel it you know like because as a kid you're sad he like falls breaks his arm off and then and then you're laughing hysterically again five minutes later because he's i am mrs nesbitt you know and then uh and then you know just that whole thing is just so funny and everything but then you you go right back to uh the scene there where Woody has to like fake that Buzz is with him by like mm-hmm. like <laughs> waving his his detached arm around, you know. Like I think as a kid, like you you look at it and you're just like, oh no, like this is terrible. And then like as an adult, you watch it and you're just like, oh, this is like really darkly funny. <laughs> like just sort of, you know, it fills you with a bit of despair too. I don't I don't know. You're like you're like I, I find myself vacillating back and to, uh, back and forth between like oh no, this is awful. Like Buzz isn't what he thought he was. And then like, oh my gosh, like Woody's like, you know, <laughs> they think that he's murdered Buzz. And like, there's this one, when there's that window scene where they discover that Woody's been just like faking it with the detached arm. Mm-hmm. And the look on Slinky's face is just a brilliant bit of animation where um, he, he's doing like this weird squinty eye thing. And it's just like hilarious. And it's not necessarily if you're watching it first, second, third time, or you're like five, six, seven years old watching it, you may not like notice that or really fully take in what's going on. Cause you know, and it, um, I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 Like there's plenty of visual stuff for the kids to enjoy, but to like understand like, uh, yeah, maybe a five-year-old might not automatically connect to make the connection as like what those characters are thinking once they actually just see the arm by itself. But I mean, it, again, like it does like, I mean, it's like it's 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 darkly funny it's, it, it, there's different kinds of humor kind of like interspersed throughout or whatever but like i i don't know i i just i i just I, again i i guess when i started it i knew it wasn't that long but like i'd also like still forgotten about like 
how much of the movie, like how little of the movie actually takes place in Andy's room. Uh, you know, like, I mean, cause there's, there's a lot of adventure to it, I guess. I mean, once they like, once, as soon as I go to pizza planet, like they're not really ever back in the room, which, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I guess, I, I, I guess we didn't really actually talk that much about the pizza planet sequence, but I don't really know if there's like a ton to say about that. I, I think some of the more interesting, interestingly conceived action sequences just involve like getting in and out of a car which I think is like a pretty fun, like how they just like, you know, utilize different parts of a car is like a interesting choice to make for like, you know, going about making like a first animated movie of its kind. It's like, we're going to spend a lot of time in like the undercarriage and the moonroof and the tailgate or whatever. Um, do you have any like specific kind of thoughts or observations that you, that you thought you think are notable about that part of the movie? That is this kind of like, I guess the connecting piece for like the other, the, I guess the bookends of this movie, you know? So one of my favorite things about the movie is the way they sneak into Pizza Planet. Um, mm. Woody hiding in the soda cup and Buzz mm. in the burger box. <laughs> I just I love that visual. I I wish they sold like prints or art of that because I mm. just think it's I think it's just hysterical. I I love it a lot. You could probably make um, that happen. You could like take a screenshot and then I mean I get I don't know if you might be uh, getting in trouble from some kind of copyright infringement, <laughs> but I bet you could like take a screen print out a screenshot and just like take it to a like a photo store or something. You know? <laughs> yes. Um, I will say I, I have several comments on Pizza Planet. Um, really, one, I think the biggest mistake in Disney Parks history over the past twenty-five years is that they have not built a Pizza Planet that looks like the film version. I think they've done several iterations of Pizza Planet in various places, both in the United States and abroad. It does not compare to what is in the movie. Bob Chapek, uh, when you're when you're done uh, cleaning up whatever dumb mess you made in Florida. The next thing you got to do is build an actual pizza planet that matches the movie. All right. That's number one. Um, number two, the little green men, the aliens. I love it. It's fantastic. It's an iconic scene. The claw is our master. Claw chooses who will go, who will stay. The little green men, iconic. I love them. I also that. respect that. Like they didn't like, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure those, those toys have been sold uh, as the mm. little green men, but they, they didn't like overdo it and like make minions movies or whatever. Yeah. They, 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 there's a, there's a world in which that happens. And then we're kind of sick of them and said, they're just like a nice, like they're just like a nice little part of this world. Yes. The, the original minions and do it better than the minions. Apologies to right. minions and everybody at elimination. <laughs> and I'll also say like, it is just like the perfect marriage of setting and character where, Woody's like, all right, like we just got to find Andy and get home. So of course you bring the toy who thinks he's a real life space ranger to a space themed restaurant. I mean, I, I mean, it's just one of those things where it seems so obvious after you see it, but just brilliant writing. And I really dig it. And yeah, just like, I want to be able to walk into a pizza planet and have like the little guards do their little thing. And then as, just as, I want, I want an alien to spit soda into my cuff. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like, I mean, at some point they had, like you said, they've, I guess they've had, maybe they have had multiple versions. Like you said, I feel like I remember going to one iteration of them at some point in magic kingdom, maybe. Um, and it's like, just, I feel like it would like, uh, like you're right. I feel like it would be, if, if, if they had done it right, I would kind of like know it in my head right away. And mm -hmm. it just seems like, you know, it shouldn't be that hard to like make decent pizza and just like have it look cool and have some arcade games. Like it seems like it should be a pretty easy thing to do and they would make bonkers money. Not that they really need our help in that department. Um, but you know, uh, I t t totally agree with you there. Um, <laughs> I I'm, I, I, we, 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 hmm. 
is there? I guess I guess the next place I want to ask before maybe I'll, maybe we'll talk about the end of the movie at the at the end of this. I'm curious. We, we didn't really talk about much besides uh, we made a couple of passing references to the other characters and um, but besides Woody and Buzz, we didn't talk about anyone yet. I mean, I think I'd say different characters get accentuated in the later movies to different extents. But like, mm-hmm. is there is there anyone who like uh, you, is like a, a are there any of the other supporting toys that are like personal favorites of yours uh, specifically in this movie for the impressions any of them make in their limited screen time? Uh, Wallace Shawn as Rex is like might be mm. the most underrated vocal performance of all time. Mm. It's just brilliant. And if you remember too, like Toy Story came out on the heels of Jurassic Park. So mm. um, having a neurotic, like nervous, non-scary dinosaur <laughs> in this movie is just like brilliant writing. And um, which I guess we'll credit to Joss Whedon. Um, eh, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh yeah, no, I mean, Rex is amazing. And then, um, you know, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head, iconic. Um, he's pretty fantastic. Annie Potts doesn't have much to do as Bo Peep, but she's really awesome. I'm sure we'll talk about her more um, when we revisit Toy Story 4. But uh, or, or, I don't know if we need to revisit that. We already did a pot on that one. Oh, we got to revisit it, Josh. We oh, gotta, we got to revisit it? Okay. Well, well, yeah. Maybe I'll have to go back and listen to it, and if we have <laughs> we have time, I'll be. I, 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 I'm definitely going to give it a rewatch. So uh, as soon as we get two and three done, I'll give it a rewatch, and then give our other old podcast a re-listen, and then and then and then and see what else I have to add. But I might I might have different takes on it if I am doing like a full rewatch of all these movies, which I guess I already found out I didn't do in advance of the last one. But like she's like the best part of Toy Story Four. I'm pretty sure like we talked about her a decent amount on that pod. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think I did find myself like most most tickled by T Rex. Um, and I, I, I just like really, really like, I, I think, like you said, it's just like a funny, uh, it's, it's just like a very, very funny conceit. And it's like you said, it's, it's another one of those things like the, like the pizza plant thing. That's like so obvious, but like they do it so well, like that you, or I don't want to say it's obvious. Cause like you said, like, I guess the inclination probably is to make something like that, like particularly scary, but, but, but like, I mean, it's, 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 it's once you, once you conceive of it, like you can tell it's, it's like very funny. Other thing I would note is on. I, 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 I particularly, I mean, uh, not, not that like he's any stranger to the universe, uh, to the Pixar universe, but I, I quite enjoy John Ratzenberger in that, like, I, oh, I, yeah. I, 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 I really enjoy, honestly, maybe even more so than him. I like the, I like the writing for him. Like I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I just like having like a character that distinct of a sense of humor amidst the rest of these characters of like, that's so clear, clearly like has that level of wit. I got a really big kick out of. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked, I know we're talking about supporting characters, but, mm-hmm. and I do need to give a shout out and remain on brand that uh, Tom Hanks's performance here really saves the movie. Cause I think he threads a very fine needle between making Woody as, I guess, uh, you know, Woody is a very difficult character in this movie. Hey, he's such a dick in this movie. And <laughs> I, yeah, excuse my and, language on that while we're talking about the kids' movie, but like, <laughs> aside from the, like the murder battery jokes we made earlier, like, I just think I forgot like how unlikable he is for so much of it, but like not like you said, he has he strikes that balance where he, it doesn't go overboard and like yeah, situation where you can't root, can't ultimately root for him. He makes it so you don't hate Woody, even mm-hmm. though Woody. There are many char- There are many points with Woody where you tap out. You, you as a viewer, you may tap out if it's not like the pitch perfect performance. So as if Tom Hanks needs any more roses, two time Academy Award winner, yada yada yada. But yeah, he's just he's brilliant in this, and it cannot be said enough. So, um, yeah, anyway. I, yeah, I guess I, 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 I want, I want to wrap up by asking about, by talking a little bit about the end of the movie. I, man, I think 
I, I, I could have kind of explained like where it went, where, where it went with respect to the, like, I, I remembered like the, the race car sequence and the moving truck sequence, like all that, like I've seen the movie multiple times before, but like, I think I just forgot how like damn impressive that was as like a piece of action filmmaking. Uh, what, what, what do you think when you like go back and rewatch that you're, you're smiling right now. I think like you gotta be a little tickled by it. When you go back and watch that and be like, wow, they, they really did that uh, in 1995. It is one of the greatest car chase scenes in movie history. Like, I don't say that hyperbolically. It truly is. Like, yeah, I, I saw a couple of people give me a little bit of crap. I know you said you recently saw the Batman, I think, or you got around to it a little later. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, I tell people like, look, I actually didn't like the car chase in that movie. Like, it's like <laughs> all, like, it's all close-ups. It's like, you don't really actually get to appreciate like everything these vehicles are doing. I guess they're trying to just convey a lot through the, the emotions on their faces, but it's like, damn, in 1995, Toy Story did a better car, car, car chase than the Batman. Uh, it's like you said, like maybe like, I'm probably just like one of the most like uh under underrated car chases in cinema history i bet it's just like woody is holding on for dear life to the ribbon attached to the moving truck's door which helps you close it and he's got like a dog biting his boot and pulling him off of it you know i mean like it's just you got slinky dog i mean the slinky dog stretch like i mean you know when you read the screenwriting books and stuff there's always like that promise of the premise stuff and it's like when you're using a slinky dog stretch the full maximum to extend a car chase, like that is like very promising the premise when talking about like an action adventure movie starring toys. Like it is just, and then, you know, it, oh gosh, I could just talk about this all day. I, I hope it, I hope anybody who's listening has seen this before, obviously, but like, you know, there's that one part where it's like, you can spoil the toy story, Jordan. You can spoil, you can spoil the toy story. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Slinky's fully extended screaming in agony. And then we cut to inside the car and the baby's listening to Hakuna Matata and just watching like, you know, like Slinky just be like stretched with the edge of his life. It's just, it's, it's just very hilarious and um, like heart pounding action. And it's fantastic. It, you know, this and speed coming out so close together. I think Hollywood got spoiled by uh, intense uh, car stuff. So. Well, yeah. And it was, well, I mean, I guess it's not, it's kind of unrelated to the actual chase itself, which again, I think is awesome. I just don't really, I mean, I I don't, I don't really have that much other thoughtful stuff to say to it other than like, again, like it's, it's just, it's just so precise and detailed and suspenseful and incredibly, uh, just incredibly fun. And, and and also like, I mean, I kind of, I like how, like, I mean, uh, the, it's funny how the, the match, I, I like how it was like that kind yeah. of fake the fake out with the match or whatever. It's 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 kind of interesting in that like I when he when he kind of like has it when he pockets it or whatever. I I've forgotten about I've forgotten about that little change and how uh, I was like oh wow yeah he has the match still and like and then like they, they kind of they they fake it out it, like they have to actually use other means. I just thought that was like actually like a little kind of kind of clever up any of expectations and i just want to note that but also you mentioned like uh slink slink scream and agony my other one funny odd and end i was going to add that like one of my most underrated favorite funny parts of the movie what, what was the toy soldier uh screaming in agony after he gets stepped on like uh, yeah. actually like a hurt guy in the battlefield like that 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 just that that just like cracked me up i i i i i, I appreciated that kind of humor and that like yeah th- those guys are just like great like they're they're great to have around i just like i, I think it's so smart that they like uh because like i mean obviously these some of these are like they they, they incorporate real life toys to like certain uh actual real life things that were real life toys even before the movie to a certain extent. And that's like kind of one of the smartest incorporations of any such kind of thing. Cause like who hasn't 
played with soldiers like that. But yeah, uh, Joe, is there anything else we didn't really touch on yet that you want to talk about? Uh, let's see. I talked about the car chase. We talked about Buzz's existential crisis. Okay, there was two lines that one I catch every time and then one I was reminded of. So like one of my favorite parts of the movie is at the beginning. Um, Potato Head walks at the ham and says, hey, look, I'm Picasso. <laughs> like, I don't get it. And he goes, you uncultured swine. <laughs> uh, and then what are you looking at, you hockey puck? I feel like, I feel like you uncultured swine and what are you looking at, you hockey puck, are just random vocal texts <laughs> of mine where I'll just say them randomly in inappropriate, in inappropriate situations. And they just don't make any sense. But um, I don't know. It's just such a bizarre scene. And I'm just so glad it exists. And then... I- um, Actually, okay. I, have a bigger, I have actually have a bigger picture question for you that I meant to ask earlier and I forgot. What, do you, what is your opinion of like the way in which they dole out the, the rules of these universe or, 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 the, or the lack thereof? As far as like, I kind of actually appreciate the fact that like it, it, it kind of works without them ever really truly explaining what the rules are as far as when they're allowed to like actually try and talk to a human or something because they utilize that a little bit more in Toy Story 4 if I remember correctly also. Yeah. But like it's never really explained like what they can do or exactly what their internal logic is other than the fact that like they like you said they love being toys and they love being played with if that's what they get the most satisfaction out of then they don't need to actually like uh, become sentient in, in, Andy, in Andy's presence but like you know uh, it's you know the iconic look that he gives Sid is like Quite memorable but we like we never really like hear them discuss their thinking on that what do you think about how just the movies as a whole kind of handled that part of it where it's like understood that like hey these guys they, they can actually wake up if they want to but they're not they're, they're not going to most likely in most instances yeah so yeah like woody talks to said in this movie yeah um yeah so uh yeah because i remember at the time people criticized the buzz thing in toy story 4 and i was like have you seen the original like they mm-hmm. you know anyway um <laughs> But uh, yeah, like I think the one big plot hole is maybe is someone's like, uh, I mean, I've seen out there is like, well, if Buzz doesn't think he's a toy, then why is he act like a toy? And I'm like, well, duh, he's like assimilating into the toy culture because you know, like he's a visitor on the planet, right? And I almost wonder if they're gonna like nod to that somehow in the Lightyear movie in some way, where Buzz has to like blend in. I'm I'm using air quotes, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think it. You know, I think the big thing is just like, uh, it's like the it, it's like the big thing everybody knows. Like Andy's coming and everybody falls, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I've seen the movie so many times, and I saw it for the first time when I was four years old. So I think like I may be too close to it to really interrogate that um, objectively. But as I'm, for me, like I'm not even asking you to be critical of it necessarily. I'm saying yeah. I like it. I, I like that they don't like no, yeah. uh, spend a lot of like expend a lot of energy trying to like establish that. I kind of like, I kind of, I don't mind the ambiguity and whereas in other instances, I feel like I might like stuff like that explained. I'm actually fine with it. I was just, I just didn't know if you had other thoughts on it. Oh no, no. Yeah. Like I, I I don't even, like, I don't even mind criticizing the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm really curious to show it to my daughter for the first time when she's kind of old enough to actually follow the plot of something, you know, because I mean, right now it's usually just, you know, like let's laugh at the silly stuff, you know, because she's 10 months old, but um yeah, I'm curious to see like how her brain does it because you know, especially now, like as someone who writes cartoons and stuff, um, I'm curious how that works with viewers. You know, um, how that like s- witnessing that for the first time and if they're if they just accept it all or if there's like questions. So yeah, that that'll be fascinating to see in two to three, four years, however long, however long it takes her. But yeah, as far as far as I go, it it, it works for me pretty well. But I can understand where 
you know, maybe some folks are like, ah, eh, you know, this, this, and this, you know. I got gotcha. you. Joe, any other final thoughts on Toy Story? Oh, the one, the other line I wanted to say. Yeah. Buzz, Woody, and the little green man are approaching Sid's house in the backpack. <laughs> the little green man says, Nirvana is coming. The mystic portal awaits. That's what he says. <laughs> perfectly. This little green dude's perfectly utilized, like you said before. Yes. Um, no, this movie is brilliant. It's hilarious. Obviously, you know, the John Lasseter of it all is a little bit of a bummer, like when you revisit it and stuff. But I think there's enough to enjoy and there's enough of other fingerprints on it, like from Andrew Stanton and Pete Doctor and uh, Joe Ramped, may he rest in peace. I think there's enough collaboration there where the thing doesn't feel totally tainted in a way that, you know, watching like, you know, something by Roman Polanski, for example, would be. So, yeah, you know, I love this movie and uh, I will continue to love this movie and I'm grateful we had some time to talk about it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm too. I'm glad you kind of suggested this exercise. We're going to try and, uh, we're going to try and talk about all these movies before, before Lightyear comes out. So I don't exactly know the release schedule of when I'm putting these out, but, uh, I'm sure probably within a week of listening to this, we should have something on Toy Story 2 for everything. So, uh, I look forward to seeing Joe back here for that. Thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time.